You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc. This episode is called Building Your Optimal Foundation for Concussion Recovery. So this is going to be one of the most important episodes I've probably ever done because I'm going to talk a lot about how to build a strong foundation for recovery. Now, 70% of concussions are going to recover within the first few weeks after injury. 70% within the first few weeks. However, 30% of all concussion cases will still be symptomatic at one month. And almost one quarter between 18 to 24% of all concussion cases will still not be back to work at six months. So why is this? Why do we have this massive disparity in concussion recovery? 70% recovering within a few weeks, so that's the majority, but you still have a massive amount of people, almost 25%, 18 to 24%, still not even back to work at six months. So why the massive discrepancy? Why this disparity? Well, there's probably underlying differences between these two groups right from the get-go. And what I've realized in my 10 years of, of concussion research and practicing in this field and seeing patients is that concussion and your recovery to concussion is a reflection of your overall health, both physical and mental, going into the injury. So it's kind of a reflection of your pre-injury physical and mental health, as well as your post-injury physical and mental health. Not to mention the type of advice that you get following injury can significantly impact your recovery. So there's likely this massive difference between these groups of people right from the onset. And we know this based on what helps to treat persistent concussion symptoms. And so in this episode, I'm going to break down exactly what I mean by that. I'm going to talk about this foundation and where things go wrong for people right off the bat and the reflection of health leading into the injury and also after the injury. And that'll help to set up the framework for knowing kind of when to do the right things following injury. So I think this information is going to be super helpful to anyone with a concussion. Now, it may be geared at people that are a little bit more on the persistent side, but if you've had symptoms for you know five years, 10 years, and you're still struggling and trying to figure out what to do, this information is going to be super important. But if you've just had a concussion two weeks ago and you're worried that you may go on to have longstanding issues, then this information is going to be super important for you because the earlier you start applying this stuff, the better off you will be. And we know that from the literature across the board that the earlier we provide intervention for somebody with concussion, the earlier we start treating it, the better they do. And so I think this goes across the board regardless of when your concussion was. If it's been any more than two weeks and you're still symptomatic, you should probably pay attention to what I am going to say. So what do I mean about building the foundation? Well, what is 
a foundation. Well, if we think about it from a, the aspect of a house, it's the entire load bearing. It carries the entire weight of your entire house. It's the first thing to be built and it's the most important. If we don't have a strong foundation and our foundation cracks or breaks or sinks, guess what happens to our house? It cracks or breaks or sinks and then nothing else matters. Really, it comes down to the foundation. And we can think about this in the context of concussion. If we don't have a strong foundation for our recovery, then nothing else matters. It all comes down, it all falls apart, it all breaks. And we can think about this like a bit of a pyramid. So if you think about a pyramid, and one example I'm going to use is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So for anyone that studied psychology in any way, you'll 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 know or be familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it's a pyramid. And it starts with the bottom of the pyramid being the most important basic human needs like oxygen, food, water, sleep. These are basic human needs that we all need. If you don't have your basic needs met, nothing else matters. If you don't have oxygen, guess what? It doesn't much matter anything. That's your number one concern. That is your number one need. Once you have those basic needs met, then you can move up to the next thing, which is safety, security, right? You have a, a job, you have employment, you have um, um, security of your own body. You're not in physical danger. And then once you're once that is met, you can move up to the next one, which is um, love and belonging. So friendship, family, sexual intimacy. Then once that is met, then you can move into self-esteem and all these other things. Getting up to the top is self-actualization, uh, morality, creativity, spontaneity, problem solving. Right? You can't focus on solving complex problems and being creative if you're not down and you haven't figured out how to be secure, if you haven't figured out where to get your next meal from, right? That's the only thing on your mind. And so this is a hierarchy and it creates this foundation. You need to meet the foundational elements first before you can think about moving on to the top. And I'm going to explain this in the context of concussion because similarly, we have a hierarchy that needs to be met with respect to concussion recovery. So we've created something called the concussion recovery pyramid. Now, it's a playbook. It's a roadmap. It's it's literally designed to take you from step one to step two to step three to step four based on what is most important. Because if you try to just go in anywhere, right, and we call this the concussion care maze, this is where most patients go wrong because no one's explaining them to this. Doctors are not familiar with this concept. And so what they're doing is they're just basically throwing it you know, anywhere and hoping that something works. So you get caught up in this, right? The way I describe this is, is what I call the concussion care maze. Picture yourself sitting in the middle of this circular room and there's just a bunch of doors going around you. And so basically your only option is to start trying doors. Every time you open a door, there's a big long hallway and there's somebody there that takes something from you, whether it be money or time. So there's some sort of cost. Every time you try a door, it's money or time. And you get to the end of that door and it turns out that that door actually doesn't lead anywhere. That door is a dead end. So then you have to go back out to the middle, try a different door. Again, there's going to be a fee to pay, whether it be money or time. You then get to the end of that door. And maybe this door has a lock on it, but you don't have the key. So now you have to go back and figure out which door leads to the tunnel that has the key to open that door. 
So you're doing things all out of order, haphazardly, and you're really getting nowhere. Well, what the concussion recovery pyramid is, is it tells you what the numbers are on the doors. Do this one first, then do this one, then do this one, then do that one. And that is going to be so much more effective for getting around concussion recovery. I know patients that have been in this struggle for years, 5, 10, 15 years, and just going in circles because they're still just trying random doors, spending a shit ton of money and really getting nowhere. And so the whole idea behind this is to give you guys a framework for how this should be done, in which order it should be done, so that you can try to arrive at a goal, which is obviously concussion recovery. So I'm going to just briefly describe these stages. We've really simplified it into just three main basic points. And if you haven't met stage one yet, you have to do that work in order to go on to stage two and then vice versa, you have to go on to stage three after that. So step one is calming the hyperactive nervous system. And I'll break down each one of these. Step two is reducing inflammation and improving blood flow. And then step three is rehabilitation. Now, where most people go wrong is they just go straight into step three. They go right into rehab, right? So they're doing vestibular rehab and vision rehab and getting their neck treated and doing all of these things and and trying all sorts of weird things like hyperbaric oxygen and laser stuff and all this stuff, but they haven't built their foundation. And so they're really getting nowhere. All they're doing is trying haphazardly different forms of therapy that really are getting them nowhere because we need to build the foundation. So let's go through the steps of the foundation and the rationale for why you need to start at the bottom and work your way up. So like I said, even if it's been five or 10 years, it doesn't matter. You can still recover from concussion. None of this is necessarily permanent unless you give up. And that's really the end game is most doctors will tell you once it's been a couple of years, that's it. There's nothing that can be done. It's permanent. That's only because they've given up. They don't have any more tricks to use and they're hoping that you just give up and stop bothering them too. And if you decide to do that, that's fine. You can be of the belief that concussion is permanent and you know you can be somebody that trolls me on social media and tells me that I don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. Now, step one, calming the hyperactive nervous system. Consider your autonomic nervous system as a teeter-totter. You have what's called a sympathetic side, which is your fight-or-flight system. You have your parasympathetic side, which is your rest and digest, meaning you're relaxed, you're calm. These two things are like a teeter-totter. So when your sympathetic goes up, oh my God, there's a bear chasing me. You release adrenaline, your nervous system goes crazy, your heart rate kicks up, your pupils dilate, you're letting more light in, you become more sensitive to light, more sensitive to noise, and your your adrenaline is pumping and you're either going to fight that bear or you're going to run away from that bear or whatever. That's your fight or flight system. But you're not worried about digesting your food properly. You're not worried about your breathing right? All of that stuff becomes just secondary. You're just doing whatever you can to survive. Parasympathetic is the opposite. Once your sympathetic shuts down, your parasympathetic kicks up, that's your rest and digest. You have saliva production, your pupils constrict, you're letting less light in, you're less sensitive to noise, um, and you're focused on just digesting and kind of resetting. And this is the balance that goes through. This is the fluctuation between these, your autonomic nervous system. After a concussion, we are sympathetic dominant meaning that our nervous system kicks into hyperarousal mode. We become sensitive to light, sensitive to noise. We don't digest food properly, which then leads into my next phase, which is inflammation. And we have this dysautonomy, this autonomic imbalance that tends to occur, which means 
we're exercise intolerant. We're not good at, um, you know, increasing our exercise load. We're not good at increasing our cognitive load because we're on the edge. We can't focus well. We can't concentrate. We can't remember things. All of these things is because our nervous system is in this heightened state of fight or flight. Now, if you're going to go and try and do rehab, and here's the catch 22, is that the concept of concussion recovery is actually challenging your systems. So if you're going to do, go do vestibular rehab or vision rehab or get your neck treated or start doing exercise and you're way out of whack like this, you're going to kind of run into walls where exercise and things are going to just crush you, right? You're not going to respond well to vision therapy because there's too much stimulation. You're not going to respond well out in public settings and crowds and things because your autonomic nervous system is in hyper arousal mode. And because of that, your needs aren't being met, right? So you're trying to go too high on the pyramid and you haven't addressed down below. So we have a sympathetic dominance. Again, we can consider this just like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If we do not uh, figure this out, we can't move on to the next step. If your nervous system is living in a constant state of fear, then it's going to be overwhelming to you. You're burning a lot of energy just with your nervous system being hyperactive like that. So anything you do on top of that is almost intolerable. And so if you've found this, that anything you do sets you back, if you've tried exercising and it wipes you out for three days, there's something that's being missed along the way that you have to get back to. So um, again, I see this all the time. Like I said, people exercising without getting there. So bottom of the pyramid, calming the hyperactive nervous system. This is things like your mindset. This has a lot to do with mental health underlying anxiety, underlying PTSD, post-traumatic stress, underlying depression, um, um, learning how to deal with setbacks, right? Setbacks are going to happen along the way and you have to have a really good um, mental framework for dealing with that. You have to have a growth mindset. You can't have a fixed mindset. A lot of this has to do with that. Um, how to reduce stress, right? How to calm the nervous system down, breathing exercises, right? Lifting the parasympathetic system up, learning how to calm the sympathetic system down when you need it. Now, the thing is people often try to do this for the first time when they're in this elevated state of anxiety and panic, and it doesn't work very well. You have to build those skills when you're not in a full-blown state of panic. You have to build those skills and they take time to build. But in doing that, you develop the tools to be able to deal with the setbacks, to be able to deal with the hyper-aroused nervous system, to be able to deal with the crowds and the environments that kind of throw you over the edge. That is number one. You have to learn how to calm down the nervous system before you can do anything else. That's key number one, autonomic dysregulation is number one. And that's one that people often skip, especially because there is a lot of mental work in there. There's a lot of mental health work in there. People often think, ah, it's not that, or no, no, it's not anxiety because they, they have the stigma of thinking, well, people just think it's all in my head. That's not the case, right? Anxiety in your nervous system being hyper aroused drives sleep dysregulation and all these other things that make it very difficult for your nervous system to actually recover. You can't recover if your nervous system is on edge. And that's the point. And that's why that one comes in at number one. Number two, the next one up on the pyramid is reducing neuroinflammation and improving blood flow. Now, this is an add-on to the first one because it builds on top of it. Some of these things are done in tandem, but for the most part, this needs to be built on a foundation of already having a nice, calm nervous system because activated nervous system equals stress response. Stress response equals, remember, what, what doesn't happen 
when we are in fight or flight mode, our digestion shuts down because sympathetic system is fight or flight. Parasympathetic system, which shuts off, is rest and digest. Well, inflammation is through gut health, which means our digestive tracts, which means we have to be digesting our food properly, which also means we need to be eating healthy. And, you know, these processes, a stress response increases neuroinflammation. So to go after inflammation while we still have a hyper aroused nervous system doesn't make any sense because it's just going to counteract each other and you're not going to get anywhere. So that's why we start at the bottom with dealing with the hyper aroused nervous system first. Then we can start focusing on improving inflammation, neuroinflammation, and uh, blood flow. So you need to have that buffer in place. Um, uh, Inflammation then, when you're dealing with inflammation, inflammation drives fatigue, drives cognitive problems, it drives headaches, muscle tension, it drives more stress, right? So if you're one of these people that's been getting, let's say, neck work, let's say you go, oh, I think it's in my neck. And so you're getting neck treatment, but the neck treatment isn't holding. Well, that means that something below that on the pyramid, right? If you consider rehab to be the top of the pyramid and you're getting neck work thinking that it's all in your neck and it may be, and you may be getting headaches and stuff, but then right after treatment, it comes right back. It's likely that there's an inflammatory response happening that hasn't been dealt with, or your nervous system is still hyper aroused. People hold stress and tension in their neck and traps. So again, you have to deal with these other elements first. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere just jumping right in to rehabilitation. Um, this thing's, this same thing goes for vision issues and vestibular issues and stuff. If you have inflammation, if you have hyperarousal in the nervous system, any of this stuff is going to just set you off, set you back, and it's not going to get you anywhere. So this rung of the pyramid, like I said, is inflammation dealing with gut dysbiosis, which is the the composition of gut bacteria, also dealing with leakiness of the gut, which comes from chronic inflammation. It comes from stress response. It comes from brain injury through something called the gut-brain axis. After brain injury, within three hours after brain injury, your vagus nerve actually increases the permeability of your gut lining, which means more things can get through and penetrate your intestinal system, which generally your immune system sees some of that stuff as foreign. So it mounts an immune response. That means inflammation, immune reaction, and that immune reaction and inflammation goes back up to the brain. Fogginess, fatigue, memory problems, all of these things are related in neuroinflammation. Even diseases now like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and some of these chronic neurodegenerative diseases are being attributed to chronic inflammation. Our diets, the foods we eat, all of this stuff is what perpetuates inflammation. Gluten, dairy, all these things alone, if you have sensitivities to them, can cause leakiness of your gut. Refined sugars, refined carbohydrates are brutal on people's guts. If you already have inflammation in your gut, a brain injury also increases inflammation in your gut. Now you're just completing this circle, making things worse. That's what I mean when I say that an injury reflects the health of your system before the injury occurred. So if you already had a lot of stress in your system. If you already had a lot of hyper arousal of your nervous system, right? You're always on your phone. You have a high stress job. You have relationship issues or whatever. And then a concussion happens. Boom. Concussion is just the straw that broke the camel's back. These informa- these these systems and this uh, these dysfunctions have been building over time. And this is just the reflection of that. So if there's something going on, there's some system that was already a bit dysregulated. Concussion pushed it 
over the edge. People will often discover that they have food sensitivities that they never had before, and they'll blame it on concussion. Well, they were there. They were just sub-symptom threshold. You didn't realize it. It wasn't driving your symptoms, but now it is because that extra little push created that disparity that then becomes symptomatic, right? A lot of diseases develop slowly over time until they happen all at once. And you think that it was there, just one shot? Mm -mm. It's, It's been building for a long time. So inflammation, gut dysbiosis, sleep. And I don't just mean sleep like, oh, I get my eight hours. I mean the quality of your sleep. I mean daytime light exposure. I mean eating uh, like way before bedtime. I mean exercising in the morning. I mean uh, no red light you know, or, or no, um, no um, blue light, sorry, after a certain time at night using uh, like red, red light or, or blocking glasses. That type of stuff to get a deep sleep to clear that inflammatory response. If you want to learn more about sleep, my most recent episode with Dr. Margallet, who's a neurologist and a sleep expert, we just talked about this all last week. We broke down how to have better sleep. Um, Hormone regulation, right? A lot of these stress hormones and the stress on your system, uh, damage to the pituitary gland, all of that stuff can implicate a lot of different symptoms. And by starting to reduce the stress in your system and starting to reduce the inflammation in your system can start to actually regulate your hormones in a natural way. Some people may need to supplement with some stuff, but for the most part, we can regulate a lot of this stuff without that. Um, Blood flow, exercise, okay? Starting now to get into a really proper exercise routine, uh, sub-symptom threshold the right way, but you can only do that if you've dealt with the dysautonomia. People that have extensive dysautonomia will try to go and exercise and they won't be able to do it no matter what. They'll never be able to get their heart rate up to the right way. They'll hit a wall every time they try. It's because they're trying to do it at the wrong point. They haven't balanced the nervous system and they're trying now to go on step two before they've done step one. So this is why it's important. This is where people start going in circles and taking forever to recover. You have to do things in this right way. This pyramid is your roadmap. It's the doors. It's numbering the doors for you so you don't end up lost and going down these paths and spending a ton of money when it won't make sense. Step three, finally, once you've done this, now you can move on to rehab. Okay. Now you can fix any dysfunctional systems that are there, right? If you still have ongoing vision issues, you can go and get vision rehab. If you still have ongoing neck issues, you can go and get neck rehab. The thing is though, building this foundation will basically make it so that 85% of you don't even necessarily need the rehab component because fixing the inflammation, fixing the autonomic dysregulation, fixing the mindset, getting back into exercise will do a lot of the work for you. If you still have some remaining issues, now you can work on those issues and they'll actually be effective. Whereas if you do them too soon, they won't be. Now, I've also seen it done tons of times in my own practice where you're doing things simultaneously. That is great too, right? If you're going to do rehab, that's fine, but you should also make sure you're addressing all these other issues. Otherwise, you may run into trouble and that rehab may not work. So if you have additional visual, vestibular, and neck issues after you've done that, or at least in tandem with it, then you can start doing that at the top of the pyramid. So, Now, if you come into this injury, like I said, I'm just going to reiterate what I said. If you come into the concussion injury and you already have terrible gut dysbiosis, you already have an inflamed nervous system, you already have this stress response in your system, you're already eating like shit, you're not exercising, yada, 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 you get a concussion, it's a reflection of your health prior to the injury. So here we are. 
okay? You're significantly more likely to develop concussion and persistent symptoms because what are the five main drivers? Now, I've said this in previous videos. The five main drivers of persistent concussion symptoms, number one, autonomic dysregulation, number two, metabolic inflammatory or hormonal dysregulation, number three, visual or vestibular dysfunction, number four, neck dysfunction, number five, mental health, anxiety, depression, PTSD. So if you have symptoms lasting longer than two weeks, it is one of those five things. Now the question is, how do you address them in the right way, right? Well, I just told you, number one, address the hyperarousal nervous system and the mental health piece. Number two is inflammation, blood flow, exercise, yada, yada. Then number three, you can deal with visual, vestibular, and neck dysfunction. So that is the order in which you do. Now, the question that I know I'm going to get is, well, how do I know which element I'm missing? Well, the answer is you don't. Nobody does. So the best thing you can do, and I do it with every single one of my patients, I don't care where you are or what you've done previously to seeing me or to enrolling in our concussion fix program, which I'll talk about. If you don't have access to this, I can show you how to do this in a stepwise way. If you come in and you haven't, and you've done a bunch of different things and you're not sure what you're missing, you start with the basics. Start at step one and build your way up. Because if you go through and do the work on step one and you start feeling better, well, you'll know that that was an issue for you. But if you're doing the work on step one and you realize that I, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm not getting better, but I've put the work in, I put in sufficient work, that means that that wasn't an issue for you. That's okay because now you've built the skills in there that you're going to need along the way, especially when we talk about mindset and how to deal with setbacks because when you get into rehab, Right? There's going to be things that are going to set you back. And if you have skills on how to deal with that, that makes the difference between a setback lasting a day and a setback lasting a month. And that's an important step. So just do the steps. It doesn't matter which one you're missing. Start at the bottom and build that foundation and work your way up. You may find that some areas you already had pretty strong. Other areas you may have been lacking. That's okay because you're going to get it all. And that's the purpose. Okay, so here's the deal. I'll just reiterate this again. Step one, calm the hyper aroused nervous system. Get your mind right for recovery. Adopt a growth mindset. Get ready to deal with setbacks. Reduce your stress. Optimize your surroundings for recovery. Step two, reduce inflammation and improve blood flow. Improving your gut health. Optimizing sleep. Listen to my episode with Dr. Margaliot. Exercise, breathing, cold exposure, the concussion fix diet, which is a whole diet plan developed specifically for concussion patients through our concussion fix program. And then step three, rehab any remaining issues. Now, this is a hard thing to do. It is not something that everyone can do. And most doctors have no idea on how to do this. I see questions coming in on my live Instagram. Don't worry, I'll answer those uh, in a second when I'm done here. But no doctors are going to know this really unless you have somebody that's very, very specialized in concussion, uh, but most aren't going to know this. They're going to kind of go, go with the concussion um, the, the, the concussion care maze pathway where we're just trying things at random until we find something that seems to help a little bit, and that's not really a very efficient way to go. So this is why we developed the concussion fix program, the concussion fix process, the concussion uh, recovery pyramid came from the concussion fix program, where we basically, it's an online program, and we teach you exactly how to do this in a step by step way. So you come into this program, we teach you how to do all these things to balance the autonomic nervous system to calm the autonomic nervous system to do all these things to then move on to inflammation, what's the diet, how do I fix my gut, how do I fix my sleep, how do I fix my hormones, how do I start exercising in the proper way. So all 
all of this stuff is designed to help you build your foundation for recovery. Concussion recovery should not be a costly endeavor. The only reason why people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on concussion care is A, there's a lot of gimmicks out there, things that actually do not work, but people do it because they're desperate. They don't know what to do. And they've been trying the concussion uh, um, maze. They've been going around to the doors. They've been trying doors, spending money, not getting anywhere. And it ends up costing them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It should not cost you anything. To recover from concussion, it's basically things that are all free. You just have to know how to do them. And that's why we built the Concussion Fix program is so that we could educate people on how exactly to just do this in a step-by-step way. So you just need to know what to do it. So if you've been out, if you had a concussion for two weeks and you're worried about making it longer, go to concussiondoc.io, check out the Concussion Fix program. It will save you thousands and thousands of dollars. Believe me. If you're similarly, if you've been gone for five, 10 years and you're not getting anywhere, go to concussiondoc.io and check out the Concussion Fix program. It will save you thousands of dollars more and help things help you to recover faster. We have about 2000 people that have gone through the program so far and we have people back to work, back to school, back to life, back to activity, fully recovered without symptoms in so many cases and within just a few weeks to a few months depending on how long it's been. Now, the longer it's been for you, the more work it takes and that's just the reality situation. If it's only been 2 weeks for you, it's a lot easier to implement this stuff and get on with it. If you've been suffering for five to 10 years, it's a lot harder because there's a lot of things that we have to kind of undo and a lot of habits we have to change. And it, and it is difficult, but you can still do it. You just got to start putting in the work. So if you're still struggling, it's time to try something new. So there it is. Build the foundation for the optimal recovery. If you don't build that foundation, you're just going to continue with our concussion care maze, trying to open doors that don't lead anywhere, spending a ton of cash. The pyramid is the map, right? Build the foundation and then everything else falls into place. It's a nice roadmap that gets you to the end goal. If you need help, check out concussiondoc.io, check out the concussion fix program because everything you need to build that foundation is there. All right, I'm gonna answer some questions on Instagram live. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.